Imagine's Coaling Studio is where efficiency meets creativity. Our new integrated solution brings together our next level coaling algorithm along with in-app reviewing and AI editing in a single intuitive platform. Tailored for photographers who value both speed and personalized quality results, Imagine strives to enhance every aspect of your post-production process. Open the Imagine app and give the new Coaling Studio a try today. I don't know what else to say other than I was able to have like Christmas with freedom. my family and freedom and literally sleep. Welcome to Workflows presented by Imagine AI. Workflows is a podcast about saving you time and money in your photography business. Hear from people just like you. Put down that camera for a little, connect the headphones and get to work with Workflows. Welcome to episode four of the Workflows podcast. My name is Scott Wyden-Kivowitz, and today, well, we are talking with Imaginer, Neva Sullivan. Neva is an award-winning and nationally published wedding and couple photographer based out of Washington, D.C. Over the years, Neva has been known for making couples feel loved, celebrated, and natural in front of her camera. Neva believes creating beautiful photos of you and your love should never feel awkward or intimidating. And you deserve a joyful and fun photography experience from start to finish. And as you'll learn from Neva in this episode, that she did something really interesting to improve on her workflow. I can't wait for you to learn all about it. So with that, let's tune into my conversation with Neva Sullivan. Hello, Neva. Hi. <laughs> How you doing? I'm doing great today. How are you? I'm doing well. It's getting cold here. Very, very cold here. So bunkered down with my, with my sweatshirt, trying to stay nice and cozy. Yes, um, I, I, live in, I live in D.C. and we had an unseasonably warm Christmas day, which was nice, but now it's cold again. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's for sure. Uh, are you going to be at Imaging USA? I'm not. I'm not. That's in National Harbor, right? Yeah. I might have to. I will be there walking around, hanging out. If you do show up at, at uh, Imaging USA, please look for me. I will I be will. around. And uh, yeah, it'd be nice to meet in person. So my first question to you is, what is one thing that you do for the photographic process that saves you time? Yeah, that's a really, really great question not to kind of start talking about imaging right off the bat. <laughs> but yeah, so I, has, I, I, I've had my business for about for four years now, and I'm honestly always looking for ways to create more efficiencies in, in the process. And, and obviously things like, you know, have now having a mirrorless camera, having, you know, workflows, not to, not to shout out the name of the podcast, but having things in process like that always are great. But honestly, this holiday season, and I'm sure you know, all of your listeners and, and anyone in your network knows this as a photographer, but this year has been crazy. So trying to find any any place where efficiencies can can be tighter has been great. And honestly, finding um, an AI editing software has been a game changer for me. I never, I did not have a an in-person editor. I've always been a control freak about my own images. So I had always been, I had been historically hesitant to, to outsource that part of my business to anyone because but, I just, before you get into yeah. before you get into editing though what about just the photographic wise so like you mentioned uh, switching to mirrorless right so that was that was a, 
that's a big change, right? I made that change. A lot of a lot of photographers have made that change. So that's a pretty biggie. Have there been any other, you know, related to actually picking up the camera, using the lights, anything that in that sort of workflow that has has been a game changer for you in the photographic process? It's going to be an unintuitive answer. For me, I've historically sure. been an, an overshooter. <laughs> so I would always leave weddings with 6,000, sometimes 7,000 mm. images, which is, which is a problem if your job then is to go through and call all of them and, and, and kind of get the ones you like and, and you know, not have duplicates and things in there. But for me, I don't know if you know this about me, but I'm, I'm a film shooter. So about three years ago, I adopted film into my process and that really, really slowed me down, which is a little bit unintuitive. So having a limited number of shots per roll instead of having an infinite number of times I could click my camera and then coming home with multi-thousands of images to go through, that has been honestly a huge kind of time saver for me because it taught me how to really you know the computers on your camera are great but they can often lead to inefficiencies as well because you can just rely on being able to click your camera and see the image immediately and then just right. get as many different shots as possible and then just find the ones you want afterwards which creates a lot more work for you so for me I adopted film into my process a few years ago and it taught me to think about composition differently to think about lighting differently to think about right. how can I slow down and be more effective with less shots. So now, you know, I'm coming home with 2,000 <laughs> digital images, and also, you know, my, my film to send off to my to my my development company that I like to use. But that was honestly in camera in terms of things that have been really helped both my art and my efficiency. Adopting film into my process has been has been fantastic. Which I don't know if is an answer you were thinking would. <laughs> I didn't. Yeah, you know, yeah. It's, it's interesting because you really did. You you went like to a to something that typically would actually make it your process Harder. more time consuming, and in in fact, it actually made your your process easier because you were an overshooter. I I used to have that issue as well, and the way I solved it was by using smaller memory cards and only bringing with me a certain amount 64 of instead cards. of 128 that's a really great idea i used to shoot on yeah. i had a 256 gigabyte memory card that i just was it was a safety zone for me and now i i've weaned myself down to 64 which is great because now with mirrorless with the canon r r the r6 i can now get away with shooting on smaller cards because my files are smaller but yeah that that's a great tip um yeah that's cool it's it's uh it's not too often that you hear I mean, film film has made a comeback in some ways, mm -hmm. and not not nearly as it you know obviously as it used to be, but it's these days it's still very rare that you hear people um, purposely switching to film, you know, for the business. A lot of times it's like you know I'm doing it for fun, you know. Yeah. It's not well, typically. It, it started for, for fun. It was it started for personal yeah. photography, but it actually it helped me in my editing too. Again, I'm sure you know anyone who's listening to a, a, a photography podcast knows there's millions of ways you can edit your photos. And yeah. you can get, you can really get paralyzed by the over analysis of it. I know I used to do that. Editing for me was historically a laborious process because I would always second guess everything I was doing. When I was able to anchor my images and my editing style to my film images, that just gave me a clarity of process. It gave me a clarity of, of art as well. It really, it really honed me in and I was able to see, yes, this is what I want my art to be. This is what I want my art to, this is what, I, this is how I want to edit my photos. And it gave me a lot of clarity. So 
yeah, sometimes the answer is just finding something that is antiquated <laughs> or feels antiquated, but can, <laughs> but really does force you to, to, to be more intentional in how you shoot and also in turn how you edit. That's really what happened for me. So, yeah. It's cool. It's a it's a really cool thing that you've done and, and you, you made it work for yourself, which is even more important. So the next thing is, is related to this is what is one thing you've done for your business that has saved you time or money? Hiring an accountant, <laughs> honestly. Nice. It, yeah. It's a good one, it's a good one. <laughs> yeah, I am, I am, a lot of us in the photography space come to it from an artistic background and a creative background right. and really wanting to, in you know, invest in being an artist again. And, and that's primarily why I started my business. I come from an events background. So I, I had been in, you know, in private business for, for a long time. And, and this was my creative side hustle that just turned into a snowball thing. <laughs> that's great. And I'm, I love it, but I am not a businesswoman. So for me, kind of navigating the waters of how do I have a legal business? How do I pay my taxes? How do I do all of these things? What is sales tax and how does it apply to me? <laughs> all of that stuff that I'm not an expert on. That though, business related things were where I first made investments in terms of outsourcing. So I wouldn't have to take all of my time to, you know, answer the question, am I compliant in, in the state that I'm operating in? Right. So hiring an accountant, yeah. making sure that it's someone who obviously was knowledgeable about a creative business, not just any old you know, accountant, really was helpful for me. And adopting obviously like a, a legitimate bookkeeping, bookkeeping software that's not just a Google spreadsheet. <laughs> so I use QuickBooks right. too. So for my business, hiring someone or, or outsourcing my compliance and my tax stuff to someone who really is knowledgeable and knows what they're doing and is able to answer my questions was not only a time saver, but also I can sleep better. <laughs> you know, I, I, I also started with the whole spreadsheet thing <laughs> back in the day. Yeah. And then, and then the moment <laughs> I started working with accountant and accountant, I was like, you know, QuickBooks can be a little confusing at times. The fact that your accountant can literally log into your QuickBooks account from their house and do what they need to. Yes. It's brilliant. So it's amazing. I yeah. could not recommend it anymore to anyone who's on the fence. <laughs> Awesome. So, so moving on to editing, what yeah. is one thing that you do for editing that has saved you? Adopting imaging. <laughs> it's been great. Um, again, like I mentioned at the top, I was always historically very hesitant to farm, mm. to farm out quote unquote, part of the creative yeah. process to someone or something who wasn't me. So I had dabbled around with, with editors before, and I found that maybe it's just through my own control freakiness. I always just love to retain the control over my own images. So I actually had a photographer friend recommend getting getting in with an AI software and she was using Imogene at the time and I just thought it was honestly too good to be true and I'm sure that's not something that you haven't heard before. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> outsourcing sure. outsourcing a lot of the creative process to something who is not a human can be scary, but but honestly kind of it's been like a it's it's been a really eye-opening process being able to teach the software how I edit and knowing that it's not just a preset. That's what I was always afraid of is is having yeah. someone, you know, start with a preset and just slap that on to all of my images and then I would have to go through everything and re-edit it again based on the lighting, based on all of these different factors that again, humans are busy and, you know, for me the the idea of doing that was always a little scary. So the first time I got a an album back with Imogene, I was honestly super blown away. So my all of my November and December weddings, once I adopted the software, were edited through that, and I think they were all delivered within two weeks. And my my contracts say eight, so it was a really awesome way, and, and particularly this holiday season, to over deliver for clients. I was not mm. anticipating being able to do that, but yeah, I mean, honestly, it's truly transparently been 
a huge game changer for me, being able to teach the software, how I edit, and then just see all of that come back within like 30 minutes of sending it <laughs> every time. It's, it's been great. So it's, yeah. It's interesting that, that you mentioned being able to over-deliver, mm -hmm. especially, that's even, it's even more important to be able to do that, especially during this the pandemic, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you've got people who are still sadly depressed and yeah. you know, still struggling. <laughs> a lot of them are still getting sick and... And mm -hmm. if you could bring a smile to somebody's face sooner than later, yeah. that's a fantastic thing. So well, when you think about it as well, clients, especially if they're active on social media or Instagram, have been hearing nothing but this season is terrible. The season is overwhelming. Yeah. The season is daunting. We have so many weddings. We're not doing well. And, you know, for quite a bit of time, that's how that's where my mindset was. It was there was so much happening all at once. And I did not know how I was going to be able to deliver everything that I had committed to because of the pandemic, because of, you know, any number of factors, they were not expecting to get their galleries back so fast. And like, I have never seen such happy humans, including myself. Like it was, you know, we, we all want to impress. We all want to over deliver. Yeah. We all want our clients to love us. And that's, at least for me, part of why I love having my business is, is just to be able to get that positive feedback and to give the gift of memories to clients. That's what it's all about. You know, that's, that's why we're all yeah. here. It's not, it's not, you know, that's why we do what we do. So at least being able to do that in a way that people were not expecting this year has been great. It's been awesome. It's so, it's so nice to hear that, that, you know, the service has been able to not only help you, but also help your clients at the same time. It's just, you know, it, it, it makes us feel good that it makes everybody else feel good. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, and selfishly also opening a gallery that's fully edited and just watching the images like populate yeah. <laughs> in the in Lightroom is like Christmas day every time. It's so we've talked about the photographic process. We've talked about business. We've talked about editing. Now I want to hear what is one thing that you do after each session, after a wedding, whatever, that increases business? Yeah. So as part of my workflow, I use PickTime for all of my gallery deliveries. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure you're aware of PickTime or people use Pixie Set. There's any number of software right. people can use. But I personally use uh, PickTime. And since adopting it, being able to have not just a shop within my galleries, but one that's optimized to, I hate using the word upsell, but, but show people that they have professional prints they can buy through me. I, during the gallery delivery process, I, I populate in a discount code for every single gallery. I make sure they know that their parents can use it. I make sure they know that you know any, any, any guests they send the gallery to can use it. And I also give it a time limit. Um, I put a two-week code for, for each of my sessions when they get delivered. I, have, I come from a sales background. I know that humans operate best with deadlines. So giving someone an infinite amount of time where they can use a discount code they're never going to use it because there's always going to be a better time. So if you give them a deadline and let them know in the gallery de delivery process, you have two weeks to use this code. I wanted to be sure you were able to print your images. They don't need to be on a hard drive forever. And just really taking the time to make sure that they are aware of that and also give them a reason to, you know, an emotional reason to. So I always do that. It's really helped my print sales so that you're not just relying on, you know, your, your package prices. You're giving yourself an additional revenue stream. Also, I allow all of my clients to host their own galleries after a year so that when the gallery is being set to take to be taken down or being taken off high resolution images, image hosting, they can they get an email that says, hey, do you want to host this gallery yourself infinitely forever for this price per year? It's just a nice additional way to create revenue for yourself, which is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So for everybody who's listening, you heard her mention that 
she offers a discount with a two-week deadline. If you are lo looking to learn to more of the psychological aspect of that, just look up FOMO, F-O-M-O, or fear of missing out. That mm -hmm. is basically the whole concept behind that. And you see it as a consumer, you see it on a daily basis, mm -hmm. even if you don't realize you're seeing it. <laughs> so if yeah. you can use things that are impacting you to uh, help your photography business. Uh, and one thing I always win. tell if I have any mentoring sessions, if I talk to any photographers who are just getting into the business, everyone is always afraid of annoying people. And again, this is my sales yeah. background talking. It takes a lot to annoy someone. And and we as humans, and I know this in myself, it's, it's a psychological thing, you need touch points. You need reminders that you, know, you can help. We all want to print our images, like every single one of us. I know this as a photographer. I know it as a client who got, I was married myself. We all want to print our images. We just need a push to do it because again, like if I had infinite time, I would never do it. So there's a psychological component to it as well. So now's the point where I'm, I'm going to ask you something that is a 30,000 uh, foot view down on, on earth. Goodness. Can you share an outlined breakdown? You don't have to go to too many details, an outline breakdown of your workflow from lead to delivery. Yeah, it's going to take me like a second to think through all of it because there's <laughs> when you think about it, there are so many steps in the process, you know, starting obviously with sales, which is everyone's favorite thing. But yeah, so I'm, I'm happy to do that. So once I, I encourage any any potential client to send an inquiry through my website, I do a lot of work to make sure that my website gets seen <laughs> by potential clients, you know, obviously with SEO and blogging and all of that stuff. But I encourage people not to DM me through social media. You know, I want a central location where all of my inquiries live. So I, I use HoneyBook for my CRM software. I'm sure that's not going to be a foreign concept or a new thing for, for anyone listening. But yeah, once I get an inquiry through my website, it automatically goes into HoneyBook. I know if I have a wedding or session on the date that's being inquired about. So right off the bat, I'm able to send an initial email to the potential client. I have, you know, obviously automations within that system. So if I don't hear back within two days, I'll follow up. And then if I don't hear back five days after that, I'll follow up again. But once we set up a, a Zoom session, so I like to meet virtually face-to-face -face with all of my potential clients. My backbone of my business is experience and a personality match between myself and, and my clients. So I wanna set that up and make sure that we are creating a relationship right off the bat. So I'm a big component of meeting face-to-face, -face, getting a sense of who they are. They're not just vetting me, I'm also vetting them. I have a, I have a certain amount of, of dates per year that I, that I you know, allow myself to do this and I wanna work with good people. So there's quite a bit of, of that initial meeting where you know, we're just getting a sense of personality fit, seeing if you know, we, we wanna move forward. Once clients move forward, I have, I don't know if this is, this might be super granular, <laughs> but yeah, contract, I have a contract, 40% retainer, all of that fun stuff. Once a client books, I have a bunch of planning materials I like to send to them. Again, creating that experience right off the bat. I have a whole wedding planning guide that I've digitized, basically answering any questions that I'm going to get in the next 10 to 12 months, you know, creating a document with every single frequently asked question I've ever received. And it's a resource for them, but it is also a resource for me because I don't have to also then field all of those questions randomly over the next, you know, year, year and a half. So I include a lot of my best practices. I included engagement session planning guide, tips on how to dress, tips on time of day to do your session, times of the year. And again, building wedding timelines with photography in mind. I found that a lot of times when you have a day of coordinator, an, an event coordinator, 
sometimes a venue coordinator, they are not thinking about photography. So I encourage all of my clients before we get to their wedding to be thinking of when is sunset on my day? When should be when, when the, should the photographer be eating? It's while you're eating. All of these little things that you wouldn't know to think about are in my planning guide. So I'm I'm helping myself by doing by educating at the beginning of the process. And from their engagement session, I like to do walkthroughs for clients that want them at their venues. I like to do phone calls leading up to the event. So I send a really in-depth questionnaire about three months prior basically detailing everything I need to know about the wedding before it's too late and being able to plan myself and then send a draft timeline for approval, get all of that done. So that again, you know, this is a lot of touch points before the wedding, but I tell my clients whenever we're first meeting, I want to have a relationship with you so that I am not a stranger walking into your wedding day. I want you to feel like I'm a friend. Um, again, backbone of my business is, is, is making people comfortable and relaxed and, and I want them to get a a sense of this is a friend walking through the door, not just someone with a camera, not just someone who expects you to be pretty or to model for you. My job is to make them comfortable. So all of these steps along the way exist for that. So they know I'm in their corner. They know that I am always here to answer their questions. They know that I am going to make a fool of myself to make them laugh. <laughs> all of these little things that create a seamless client experience. From there, my dog might start barking. There's a dog walking by. He didn't. He was a good boy. From there, obviously, the wedding day. Most of my weddings are eight hours. Sometimes we'll have 10. I am a crazy person, and I do a next day sneak peek. So I always call through the entire wedding the morning after a wedding. End of story. I hold myself to that standard because I don't want, again, thousands of images ha hanging over my head. For the next couple of weeks, I like to get that out of the way as soon as possible. So I call through the wedding. I make a, I go through and favorite, I use Photo Mechanic, so I go through and, and favorite all of, you know, maybe 50 to 75 highlight images. Those become the sneak peeks, which then also become the highlight folder on the very top of their gallery when it's when it's delivered, and also my blog post, and also for submissions. So I always use those those 75-ish images for the sneak peek, for, for blogging, for submissions, and all of that stuff. Now that I have a as close to foolproof editing process as possible. Um, you know, gallery deliveries used to be a month. They're now two, two-ish weeks. I'm not, I, w I do not say that that is the standard, but again, I love not having work hanging over my head. So that's kind of the process from initial inquiry to through to gallery delivery. Um, and also add that coupon. <laughs> on the on the gallery email <laughs> can't forget the coupon yeah, yeah that's you know you've got a you've got a very structured structured workflow in place for the for the entire process i like that you have everything planned from the beginning so that like you mentioned you're fielding all the questions right right out of the gate you know mm -hmm. you're you're sending the, the the guides and everything so that that not only helps the the rest of the process yes for, for your client, but it also helps you so that you've yeah. got, you don't have to, you know, keep hopping on phone calls and meetings and stuff with mm -hmm. your clients to answer the questions that you already have. So now you can focus on more important while they're getting their answers at the same time. And I've also found that, I mean, we've all heard client horror stories, photographer horror stories. I have found that a lot of these stories stem from a lack of education for our clients. So things like they didn't tell me who they wanted in their family portraits. So I didn't know, so we didn't get everybody. Ask about those things, give them best practices. Like, hey, we should do family portraits 
immediately after the ceremony, assuming we don't do a first look, but if we're if we haven't done family portraits by the ceremony, make sure your family knows to stay put. Anyone who's going to be in the groupings that we have discussed prior, make sure they know, like tell them at the rehearsal dinner, don't move, don't go to cocktail hour. We're doing family pictures right after. I will have a list again through that questionnaire of exactly the names of everyone in the groupings, what those groupings are, who are the top priorities so that, you know, family portraits don't have to take 45 minutes to an hour. They can take 15 to 20, like, and then everybody can go get their drinks, you know, but, but, you wouldn't be able to do that if you didn't educate your clients beforehand. So I feel like a yeah. lot of times inexperienced photographers or people who are just coming in wanting to create art, like I, I get it, I understand that. But there is a business component. There's, there's a workflow to this as well. And really taking the time to, to ask yourself how you can help your clients so that they can in turn help you so you're not scrambling at the end of the day is huge. So do a lot of that beforehand and figure out what you want to tell them, what you want to teach them so that they're, they're, they're coming they're meeting you in the middle, essentially. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I love that. I love how prepared you are for, for, for all of it. It's so good. So, my next question to you is very deep in oh AI, yeah. and okay. so this is gonna. This could. This could stump you a little bit, but maybe not. What does the future of artificial intelligence look like to you in the photography industry? Yeah, I'm definitely the worst person to ask about this because up until a month ago, I did not realize that artificial artificial intelligence had a place in my business right now. So it's a, it's a really interesting question. You know, obviously there are things that the AI can't do yet, like, you know, brush adjustments, things like that. Mm -hmm. So just on a very granular level, you know, would, would love for, you know, at least an AI, editing at least, to be able to kind of continue to hone in, to continue to do, to improve what's already a great, a great starting point. But... I honestly don't know. I, I know that there's, I don't do this yet. Um, I haven't tried again because control freak. I haven't tried AI calling. I know that exists. You know, I, I can only imagine that things will continue to get more advanced in ways that I have no idea are going to happen in ways that I have not anticipated. But I remain, and I think that all photographers, anyone in the industry needs to remain open to the idea that there can be efficiencies created. There can be non-scary ways to trust different parts of your business to you know, a machine, as long as you vetted it, you know, given the, the opportunity to try it out, you know, what, what could, what could be the harm? And I think that was, you know, for me, I, there was a lot of initial hesitation to even have this part of, of my, of my process influenced at least by, by AI. And it's, it's been a really positive experience. So for me, while I do not know where AI is going to go, I remain really open-minded to how it can help and change and continue to innovate my business. So I will, I will approach Anything without hesitancy next time. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So, so you know, earlier you mentioned that you, you know, try to educate your 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 clients even to the point where they should know where when sunset is, right, mm -hmm. the day of their wedding. Oh yeah. So imagine that in AI, not only is your guide digital, mm -hmm. but maybe it can be modified per client automatically by learning about your client where they are telling them sunset for your wedding is this day like yeah. there's a, your your crm tools could really automate this process really if they really wanted to get into the ai space and, and learn about their clients based you know take the the client name take your your default yeah. guide that you normally share and have all these spaces that the ai will automatically fill in for for you and for them based on you know their phone number their their address learning 
okay, their venue. Here's, here's where they but, are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now we know everything else that we need to know to fill in the rest of the data in, into your guide. I love that. Even just things like email, yeah. email outreach. Because right now, obviously, yeah. I, I mentioned before that you know, I rely a lot on templates. You know, HoneyBook mm-hmm. has a great has a great um, ability to be able to use like templated email outreach for 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 your clients. But even just things like when an inquiry comes in, let's say this is the venue, this is you know all of that. You know, maybe even to be able to respond on my behalf or something like that, like as a virtual assistant, right. something like that. Yeah. So that, again, just creating opportunities for less time to go by where you're not yeah. booking something. But yeah, no, that, that, that would be, that'd be awesome. There's so much potential that it's just, it's unbelievable. Like even just in all aspects of. Or of you know what I would love, just, you know what I would love yeah. uh, for an AI to exist in the, in the marketing and sales process. Like obviously mm-hmm. right now, a lot of us are doing, you know, Facebook ads, Google ads, all of these things, but we all rely on our own brain to be able to tell us who our ideal client is. And you know, like things like, where do they shop? What do they like? What do they like to do? What are their activities? All of these things. So it would be really cool for something like, let's say, a Facebook ad, or or just a, any 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 way to get your name in front of potential clients to be able to like create more efficiencies there. That would be awesome because right now that's like my least favorite part of anything is the marketing and right. sales part. So it would be cool to have AI kind of inject some new life there, but yeah, I think the, yeah. I think the closest thing, I mean, there's, there could be software for that already. I don't know for sure, but I think the closest thing that I could think of would be if you were doing a Facebook ad and you advertise to a lookalike audience and the lookalike, mm-hmm. lookalike audience is literally a lookalike of everybody who likes your Facebook page. Yeah. Because at that point, Facebook, their AI knows all that, all that data. Mm-hmm. So the lookalike audience is literally exactly what you want. You just have to tailor it towards, you know, only a lookalike of all, only people like my page and only in this area, basically. Yeah. We want to filter out my mom as well. <laughs> she likes <laughs> my Facebook Neva's page. Mom. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. So Love her, my, but uh, she's not my ideal client. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So my last question to you, and again, you're you're still new to the Imagine AI customer mm-hmm. base. You've only been using it for for a little bit about amount of time, but how? And and you've touched on this a little bit in this during this conversation. But how has Imagine AI impacted your life? Oh man, I did not think I was going to have a holiday season. <laughs> Let's put it that way. I'm sure. Again, everyone listening to this has had an insane 2021. You know, we were dealing with or were dealing with last year's you know, full wedding slate happening at the same time as 2022's full wedding slate and likely all happening within one quarter, maybe a little more than that, you know, from October to December is really when the bulk of our weddings were. I was truly nervous, one, for my mental health (laughs) this Mm -hmm. December because, you know, just physically being at a wedding and physically shooting the wedding is not the battle. Editing afterwards is the battle. So I was really worried at how that was, it looked like that was all going to pile up all at once. Again, without being like, I'm an image and salesperson, which I'm not. I'm just a happy customer, happy client. It really gave, I was able to deliver every single one of my November and December weddings by December 10th. I was able to take the rest of the month off. And I cannot, that, that is, I don't know what else to say other than I was able to have like Christmas with my family and freedom and literally sleep. And to have that when you thought you were not going to have that. It's one thing to be like, I have 
customized my workflow. I know when I'm going to deliver every single one of these galleries. But this year was really intense and really intimidating. To have that sooner than you thought you were going to have, can't speak highly enough <laughs> of that experience. That's you know, again, I, I, it makes us feel good that, that, that the community is really, you know, gaining time back in their lives and, and, and reducing the stress on all, on all sides. And you got to celebrate the holidays, which is, which is really nice. And so, so you're, you know, this is going to go, this episode's going to be out in 2022 already, but you're, you're, we're recording this really, we're recording this on December 28, 2021. We're so close to the new year. And now you get to, you, you're going into 2022 knowing you get to celebrate the ball dropping, <laughs> Yes, so, which is, which is a nice, Seriously. nice thing. Yeah. Well, also, um, I would have been yeah. intimidated by this uh, you know, three weeks ago, but my very first wedding weekend of 2022 is a doubleheader, which I, you know, we don't, we don't, we don't love doubleheaders, but we can, we can do them. Now I know that I have, I at least have something in place. I have a workflow in place where the editing part of it is not the scary part. So that's great. <laughs> that's so good. That's so good. Hopefully you share some of those, the, the doubleheader photos in the community when Absolutely. we, when, when you have them. So where can the listeners uh, learn more about you, connect with you, and of course, see your beautiful photographs? Yeah, so I am at Neva Sullivan Photography just about everywhere. My website is nevasullivan.com. Very easy. At Neva Sullivan Photography on Facebook, at Neva Sullivan Photography on Instagram. You can find me in all of those places. Awesome. We'll be sure to link to your website in the show notes so everybody can uh, definitely check you out and, and see your work. Uh, thank you, Neva, for joining me today on the podcast. We're, we're, we were very happy to have you. And I look forward to seeing w more of what you do with, with our software and just in general within the community. Thank you so much for having me. It was great. Thank you, Neva, for that incredible conversation, for sharing your insights into your workflows. From We covered a lot, of, a lot of topics here. We covered a lot of range in your photography business, and it's uh, very exciting of everything you're doing, and I can't wait to see more of it. So if you like this episode and you want to see the show notes, you want to learn more about Neva, go to imagineai.com slash podcast. And don't forget to join myself and Neva in the Imagine AI community. You can go to imagineai.com slash community to, to join. We can't wait to see you there. You've been listening to Workflows presented by Imagine AI. To see the show notes and everything referenced in this episode, please go to imagine-ai.com slash podcast.